Mike, you may be seated. Well, it's just a few more sleeps until Christmas. Uh, our kids are excited. Uh, we gave them Advent calendars, so each day they wake up and they open up their Advent calendar and they get a little toy uh, out of it. And uh, so they've been counting down all December. And so every single day they come out with a new toy, and then every single day they're asking Alexa how many days until Christmas. If you have kids, maybe you're experiencing the same thing. But in just a few days, we're going to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Are you excited to celebrate the coming of the Messiah? Amen. Amen. All right. God with us. Emmanuel. God looked down, right, at the mess that we had made of this world. He looked down and saw the, the separation between himself and us, and he knew that the only way to fix it was for his son to be born and die on our behalf. Right? God looked down and saw strife and war and anger and heartache and disease and destruction, and he sent his son into the middle <coughs> of it all. God saw a world in need of peace, and he sent his son. Not much different than the world we're living in now, right? I mean, all the news that we hear seems to be about war or terrorism or, or division or, or hate, right? We, we see horrible images of death and destruction coming from Ukraine and Russia, right? There's an old saying that sex sells, right? But sex is the only thing that sells. Fear sells. I used to be a pastor in Richmond, Kentucky, and we met in the Richmond Area Arts Council building, which was actually an old church. And so we met in this old church, and, and one day I, during the week, I met with the director of the Arts Council. And there were several things that we needed to discuss, but, but when I arrived to the Arts Council building, I realized there was something that we need to discuss first and foremost. Because when I got there, I noticed that a call button and a camera had been installed recently at the main door. And so I asked the director about it, and she told me that they decided to put those things in because a local police officer had been shot and killed in Richmond, and there had been a bank robbery on Main Street. And they realized that if a gunman came into the building, they had no way of getting out. And so ultimately, it was fear that led the board of the Arts Council to install a call button and a camera. Now, hear me, I don't disagree with the installation of that security device. I fully supported it. Why? Because I know the world we live in, right? Our house has ring, uh, ring doorbell camera. We have ring cameras outside. We're like Fort Knox. We believe in security. But fear is what drives us to do those things, right? Fear of being attacked. Fear of being hurt. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the known. Fear of the different. Fear makes us do a lot of things, right? We know we have to defend ourselves, and we do that in a lot of different ways, right? Maybe personally, internationally, we do it through military options or diplomatic options, but we understand that when we're afraid, we need to defend ourselves. Probably clear to all of us that peace is not something we have in abundance in our world right now. But it's not just what's happening outside in the world that affects us. It's not just what's happening outside in the world that causes us, us to have fear during Christmas. Let's just be real. Some of you aren't looking, aren't, Siri wants to preach every week. Some of you aren't exactly looking forward 
to Christmas with some of your family, all right? Let's just be real, right? You fear what is going to be done or said in your house or in the house you gather in. You fear what will happen when a certain two people interact with one another, right? And maybe your fear is based on experience, right? You just went through Thanksgiving with these people, right? You have, some of you have family members who behave just like you thought they would. It's how they always behave, right? Some family members just drive us crazy. Some family members make us mad. And there's a very good chance that you have a little fear about gathering with those loved ones for Christmas. It's supposed to be the happiest time of the year. And yet it makes a lot of people miserable. It's often said that most suicides occur at Christmas. Now, there's no evidence of that. That's just something people say. But when we hear it, we think, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense, right? Why? Why does that make sense? Why do we hear that there's more suicide at Christmas? And go, yeah, that makes sense. Because we know how much hurt and fear and anger and frustration exists right below the surface of people singing Deck the Halls. <clears throat> right? Even though we say, let there be peace on earth, we don't really think it's possible for us, or at least in this situation. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open them to the book of Isaiah. It's very common to read from the book of Isaiah this time of year. And I want you to realize that Isaiah is in the Old Testament, right? I mean, it was written a long time before Jesus was actually born. It was written about 700 years before Jesus. But it speaks to the Messiah that is to come. And so I want us to be in Isaiah chapter 9. We're just going to look at verse 6. Isaiah 9, 6. Go open your Bible. Go to your phone right now. Isaiah 9, 6. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Is there a problem? Yes. Did it crash? No, it wasn't. Some screen appeared. All right. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In this verse, we have four descriptive names of the coming Messiah. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The name Prince of Peace in Hebrew is Shar Shalom. It means the one who removes all peace-disturbing factors and secures the peace. The one who removes all peace-disturbing factors and secures the peace. One of the big questions we ask those running for president is what will he or she do to bring about peace, right? In particular, we ask our politicians what they're going to do about bringing about peace in the Middle East, right? Or North Africa or Eastern Europe or in, in, with Russia and Ukraine or here in the United States. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. There's a lot of unrest here in our country, right? Race relationships in this country are worse than they've been in decades. Liberals and conservatives seem farther apart than ever before, right? Social norms are being torn down. Now, please hear me. I'm not being political here, right? Whether you're a liberal or conservative, I think it's safe to say that peace is not exactly ruling the day. And we, we expect our elected officials to, to, to bring about peace, to fix the problem. But I want us to notice this Hebrew translation. It's Shar Shalom, the one who removes all, someone say all, all. the one who removes all peace-disturbing factors, and secures the peace. Hear me, church. There is nothing on earth 
that can fully remove all peace-disturbing factors. There is absolutely nothing on earth that can completely secure peace. See, the word secure is a word that we misuse. When I get paid, my paycheck is deposited into my bank account at Chase Bank. We place our money in banks because we say that banks are secure, right? Our money is quote unquote secure in banks. But the reality is our money is only more secure in banks than it would be sitting in our wallets, at least my wallet, right? But it's not truly secure because banks are robbed all the time, right? People can rob banks without even leaving the comfort of their home, right? They can do it all online now. So if you think your money is completely secure in the bank, then you are fooling yourself. But I hear you. You're arguing about FDIC, right? The Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. It guarantees the security of my money. Well, it does unless inflation reaches double digits like we've just seen, right? Nothing will fully, truly secure your money. If there's another uh, Great Depression, your money is, is not secure. The FDIC makes your money more secure, but only more secure. The fullness of the word secure is found in the word perfect. Unless the anti-theft policies or anti-hacking policies are perfect, then they are not perfectly secure, right? If you've ever heard a LifeLock commercial on the radio, you know they legally have to say no one can prevent all cybercrime and prevent all identity theft. Nothing on earth is perfectly safe, and nothing will ever be perfectly secure. It's just not possible with man. That's why Jesus and Jesus alone is referred to as the Prince of Peace. Shar Shalom. He is the only person capable of fully and perfectly securing peace. But we need to understand how he secures peace. Now this may upset some folks, but we understand this. Jesus never lifted a finger against Rome. Jesus was not a political figure at all. There are Christians on the right and the left who want to turn Jesus into either a politician or a political revolutionary. When Jesus was alive, some tried to make him a political figure, but he always rejected it. But I want you to understand, even though he rejected that, that doesn't mean that political peace is not possible through Jesus. In fact, political peace is only possible through Jesus. Just as peace in every situation is only possible through Jesus Christ. In Jesus, we find peace in the relationship between a holy God and a sinful humankind. Flip over to uh, the New Testament and find the book of Colossians. Colossians. It's a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to the early church. This letter was written uh, in response to a people who were looking for peace in mysticism and false teachings. Not so, so different than today, right? We're surrounded by people, and you may be one of them, who have continued to look for peace in anything and everything except where true peace can be found in Jesus Christ. You're reading your horoscopes expecting that to bring you peace, right? You're, you're looking at tarot cards, expecting that to bring you peace. You're going to a psychic, expecting that to bring you peace. You're, you're praying to whoever you can think to pray with, uh, to pray to, expecting that to bring you peace. But the only peace you're ever going to find is in Jesus Christ. 
Look in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. It says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, Jesus, and through him, Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you, uh, present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Church, that's the gospel in four verses. So why is there a lack of peace in the world? Look at verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were, and were enemies in, in your mind because of your evil behavior. That is the condition afflicting every single person on the planet. We are enemies of God outside of a personal relationship with God. I know that's uncomfortable for some folks, but we are enemies of God outside of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because we have been alienated from God. Therefore, we don't experience peace. Our separation, our alienation from God drives out peace in our lives. We alienate ourselves from God through sin, through thinking that we're too smart for God, that we have no need for God. The amount of peace in our lives, hear me, church, the amount of peace in our lives is directly tied to the state of our relationship with God. The amount of peace in your life is directly tied to your relationship with God, the state of your relationship. Therefore, we should see the lack of peace in our lives as a symptom of a broken relationship with God. So what's the solution? Look at verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him. To reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This was done for you. Merry Christmas. He sacrificed his only son for you. Merry Christmas. We in the church love it. Like we always say, though, the only problem is he did the exact same thing for everyone we can't stand. Right? The jerk that cut you off in traffic this past week. Cousin Eddie that will try his best to ruin your Christmas party. But the uncomfortable fact found in the manger on Christmas morning is that the baby is born for every man, woman, and child on earth. And we in the church will gather and sing songs all about peace on earth and then tell the driver who cuts us off on the way home from church to go to you know where. There seems to be a problem here. I think too many Christians have bought into the lie that peace can only come from confrontation. While Pastor Liam and I own weapons, hear that, while Pastor Liam and I own weapons, plural, just want to make that clear, weapons, I'm under no illusion that our weapons, or all of our weapons, whatever we can find, would ever truly bring about peace, right? You cursing the driver that cuts you off will not bring about peace. You bad-mouthing your cousin Eddie won't bring about peace. You avoiding the issue by drinking won't bring about peace. 
Peace, church, hear me, peace begins with prayer. Matthew 5, 43 and 44 says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why in the world would Jesus tell us to love our enemy and pray for those who persecute us? Well, the normal answer is because God is love and we're to be like God. Well, yes, that's a good church answer. But what might Jesus understand that we might not? As a follower of Jesus, we are to make the sacrifice for the blessing of our enemy. Hear that. We are to make the sacrifice for the blessing of our enemy. There are folks in our lives who do not love us. That may surprise some of you, but there are some folks in your life who don't like you. And there are some folks who are just oblivious to how crazy they make everyone else. There are folks who don't care if they ruin your Christmas. And the temptation for us is to not care about them either. Right? We get together with our family, and there is crazy Cousin Eddie or Aunt Mary, and we can't stand Cousin Eddie, and we can't stand Aunt Mary. They're rude, and they're obnoxious. They're always making negative comments about our cooking or how we raise our children or the clothes we wear. They empty their RV in front of our home. Someone got that reference. Good. All right, good. But for whatever reason, we just don't like them. And the last thing we want to do is spend Christmas with them, but we don't really have a choice. Because they're going to be there, we know we can't really hope for peace. And so we'll just hope that no one ends up dead. Hear me, church, I've been there. Trust me, I've been there. But I had to realize something as a follower of Jesus. How can I sit and complain about all these folks? As a follower of Jesus, how can I sit there and complain about all these folks? And I know my family's going, yeah, how can you do it, Jerry? Because you do it so well. I do it so well. But how as a follower of Jesus can I do it? How can I sit and complain about the lack of peace in these relationships if I am not willing to pray for the person and the relationship? See, I've discovered something. If you want to love someone, You'll begin praying for them. Because love comes out of prayer. You cannot hate someone you pray for. It's impossible. You try it, but it's impossible. To pray for someone is an act of love. See, love and prayer go hand in hand. Jesus tells us if you want peace to occur in your relationships, if you want peace on earth, you cannot wait for the other party to figure it out. You, as the follower of Jesus, need to fall on your knees and pray for them every single day. Now, here, this doesn't excuse their behavior, right? Cousin Eddie's going to be Cousin Eddie. But you're responsible for your behavior. Not Cousin Eddie's. You're responsible for how you respond. As I mentioned, I am very, very good at getting frustrated or angry at the behavior of others. Maybe you can relate to this, right? When someone does not behave the way that I think is correct, I am really good at getting upset and bothered, right? And I think, what is wrong with them? Why are they like that? They should fix themselves. 
They should change themselves. They should figure out what's wrong with them. They should figure out what's wrong and what bothers me and quit it. What I'm really bad about doing is stopping and saying, Lord, what just happened bothered me. I confess that. I own that. That bothered me. I recognize that that behavior bothered me. And I don't like it. But I choose to pray for this person. I choose to pray for this relationship. I choose to pray for healing. I choose to pray that we will both seek your will in all things. I found us Christians sorely lacking in praying for our enemies. We, pray, we say we want peace on earth. We say we want peace in our homes at Christmas. But we expect other people to change in order to make us happy in order to give us peace. But how can we expect that if we're not even praying for them? Why did Jesus tell us to pray for enemies? Because prayer is powerful. And when we turn our focus on Jesus, peace is present. Amen. Plain and simple. John 16, said, I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In me, in Jesus, you may have peace. He's the only place you will ever find peace. We have, we have tried time and time and time again to bring peace to the Middle East. And time and time again, it has failed simply because it is not rooted in Jesus Christ. Our enemies attack us because they do not know Jesus. Our enemies attack us because they are not focused on on their relationship with Jesus Christ, there is a lack of peace in our homes because we are not focused on the Christ child. The baby born in a manger in Bethlehem held peace in the palm of his hand. And those who seek him, those who worship him, those who follow him, know and live in peace. Amen. Nothing else will work, church. You can avoid your crazy cousin Eddie but it will not bring about peace. In 1955, Cy and Jill Miller wrote a song that is a little bit obnoxious, but it's a nice little song. It's called <clears throat> Let There Be Peace on Earth. Right? And it goes, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Let there be peace on earth, the peace that was meant to be. Right? It's a very simple song, but it speaks a, a very profound truth. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. We cannot expect it to begin anywhere else. Whether it's world peace or peace in our home, it has to begin with us. It has to begin with our surrendered heart. If we surrender our hearts, our hurts, and our frustrations to Jesus and begin to pray for those who persecute us, those who hurt us, those who just plain tick us off, then and only then can we begin hoping for peace on earth. Amen. I'll give you an example. It was December 1944. German and U.S. troops were, were hunkered down in foxholes in what is now known as the Battle of the Bulge. It was a miserably cold December. Snow, just feet of, like several feet of snow on the ground, and, and death and destruction surrounded every man that was there. My grandfather, my, my maternal grandfather, uh, he was there. He would never speak about the Battle of the Bulge because it was just so horrible. But then came Christmas Eve, and there was a lull in the fighting. And it was quiet. 
Then the quiet was broken. The American troops could hear German troops singing, Still not, silent night. And soon American voices joined them. I want you to picture that moment in the middle of one of the most brutal battles in all of World War II. There was a moment of true peace. And what caused that moment of peace? German and American troops turning their attention to the baby Jesus born in Bethlehem. And it turns out similar stories were reported in other parts of the war, in World War I, and even in the American Civil War. The opposing troops would sometimes simply stop fighting and sing hymns praising the Prince of Peace. It's a powerful story. And it gives us a very real example of the power that the Prince of Peace has. If only the two sides had continued to focus on Jesus. Unfortunately, a few moments later, the fighting resumed. Why? Because Jesus was taken out of the center of that relationship. I don't mean to oversimplify the call of World War II or any other conflict, but as a Christian, I have to proclaim the truth that when Jesus is at the center of something, peace is present. Amen. And as soon as you remove Jesus... From the center of anything, you are removing peace. Your obnoxious cousin Eddie may not be any different this Christmas, but if you will spend this week devoted to praying for your cousin Eddie and seeking Jesus and making Jesus the center of that relationship, then I promise you, you will get to experience some peace this Christmas that you never thought possible. Let there be peace on earth. Let it begin with us. You and I have enemies. We may not use that word. We have enemies. People we don't like. People with whom we have a problem. People who upset us. But we are called, church, to be peacemakers. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. John 13, 35 says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. Church, this is who we are called to be. In our homes this Christmas and in all the world, we are called to be peacemakers. People who love so much that we pray for those who hate us, those who hurt us, those that don't love us, those that drive us absolutely crazy, those that we want to kill, we, we instead choose to pray for. That is the only way peace comes upon the earth. It's the only way peace enters your, your, your time with your family. This is the only way peace enters your marriage or your parenting. It has to begin with us. So who is it for you? Who is it for you? Who is it that you're dreading seeing this Christmas? Who is it that you know is just going to be a little bit difficult? Who is it that ticked you off this past week? Who is it? I want you to name your enemies. Fine, you don't use that word, but name that person, whether it's a relative or a friend, that person that just drives you crazy. That person that aggravates Maybe it's someone in your wife's family. If it is, keep it to yourself, but just think about them privately. 
Who is it? Name the person. Name the person. And then choose today to surrender your frustration or your hatred or your anger and choose today to begin praying for them. Are you craving peace this Christmas? Even if they aren't at your house this Christmas, you're walking around with this feeling towards them. They're not even there, but they have stolen your peace. Do you want that peace back? It begins with you praying for those with whom you struggle. It's realizing the baby born on that silent night some 2,000 years ago was born to bring peace to you and to me and all the men and all the women who wish to kill us for worshiping him. And all the men and all the women who drive us absolutely batty. Who is it for you? I have my name, names, people that I know, you know, have a potential just to rub me, rub me the wrong way. And Pastor Lee will, not out loud right now, but she, she could, could testify to the fact that those times, that there are times where these people, they get the best of me and I get grumpy and I get angry and I'm not fun to be around. I allow them to steal my peace. And so I'm making a promise to my wife today that I'm going to pray for those relationships. I'm going to pray. We're about to have a house full of family this week. I'm going to pray so that I don't allow anything to steal my peace or the peace of my family. Who is it for you? Will you begin praying for them today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday when you gather with them? Will you walk up to Cousin Eddie and give him a hug and say, it's so good to see you? Let there be peace on earth, but it must begin with us. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I need to come before you today and just ask you to forgive me of allowing people in my life to steal my peace, <coughs> for getting frustrated with people and trying to write them off or just get away from them. Forgive me, Lord, that I don't stop and, and pray for them. That I don't stop and ask you to change my heart towards them. To give me grace for them. To be able to show them mercy and love regardless of how obnoxious or annoying they might be. So Lord, forgive me. And I pray, Lord, you would help me this Christmas. To love everyone the way you love them. And that begins by praying. That today I would, and we would all, we all would, would we would choose today to begin praying for everybody we're going to be around this Christmas. The people we are looking forward to seeing, the people that we are not looking forward to seeing. We begin praying for them by name. Praying for our relationships with them. And praying that this Christmas there would be peace in the house. That there would be peace in the family. That the enemy would not be able to use um, anything <coughs> to steal our peace this Christmas. So Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, be peacemakers. For this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let you stand and worship.